they revised their onboarding survey to not just ask that question, have you had a meeting with your manager, but to ask about specific behaviors. Was that initial conversation with your manager over text? Was it in person? Was it over the phone? Was it over Zoom? And what we found was that when it was in person or over Zoom, those feelings of belonging were so much higher later on in that employee journey. Hi everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of All About HR. My name is Nelly, I'm your host. And on today's episode, I'm talking with Kevin Campbell. He is an employee experience scientist at Qualtrics. And we are going to talk about a topic I'm very excited about, employee journey analytics. What is it? How can you get started as a company? Perhaps Kevin has a few cool examples to share with us. Let's see. But before we jump in, as always, if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our channel, like this video and hit the notification bell. Welcome to another episode of All About HR. Okay. Hi, Kevin. Welcome on the show. First of all, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm very happy to have you. Before we jump into the conversation, do you have, would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself and also about Qualtrics? Sure, sure. So my background is as an organizational psychologist. So uh, I study the 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 science of people at work and specifically positive organizational psychology. So I had the pleasure of studying under uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Uh, he's uh, the co-founder of positive psychology, and I, I did my master's degree studies with him. And prior to going into this world of employee experience, I was actually a headhunter and a recruiter. Mm -hmm. And I finally landed at Google working as a headhunter uh, recruiting the top software engineers from around the globe to work in the corporate office in Mountain View. And there I was working at the, the best place to work according to all the workplace lists mm -hmm. uh, at the time. But I still saw a high degree of variance in terms of how engaged people were in their role. And that's what made me even more interested in finding out what makes people truly happy at work. And the rest is history. I've, I've worked at the Gallup organization, Deloitte, uh, was a people scientist at CultureAmp. Uh, and now I'm doing um, similar work as uh, an employee experience scientist with Qualtrics. So to summarize what that means, because I know it's not a very common job title, uh, I, I study and I help organizations identify and close gaps in employee experience. Nice one. Very nice uh, introduction as well, Kevin. Thank you for that. Okay, so um, as I said in um, my very short introduction, what I would love to talk to you about today is employee journey analytics. I saw you recently posted on that uh, on your LinkedIn, and I thought, okay, that could be that could make for a cool a topic to discuss on the podcast. Now. I think some, of course, of the people in our audience, they, they will know what employee journey analytics is about. But at the same time, I think it is still a relatively new concept. Correct me if I'm wrong. So perhaps we can start uh, with you telling us a little bit more about what it entails. Yeah. So it's about being able to predict outcomes at one point in an employee journey by studying the drivers in another point of the employee journey. So if you want to know what is it about your onboarding experience that leads to higher rates of engagement and motivation and commitment six months, a year, two years into a role, 
that's employee journey analytics. If you want to know what training programs and leadership development programs lead to higher performance ratings uh, six months, a year later in a role, or if you want to be able to predict who's going to accelerate faster within your organization, what's going to happen with regard to customer engagement and customer satisfaction and net promoter score. When you bring different points of the employee journey together, you get insights that you otherwise wouldn't be able to have when you think about them as discrete separate pieces. Well, I think that's actually a very clear explanation. You explain very well how it works, how uh, you are collecting data on one point, and then you're going to see the results uh, at a later point in the employee uh, journey. So I think that's a that's a, a nice way for us to start, Kevin. Um, and why do you believe that this is important in today's world of work? Well, you, you know, in an employee engagement survey, as an example, or any kind of an employee survey, it tends to be a point in time survey. You're, you're measuring how people are feeling and their appraisal and subjective experience of what it's like to work at your workplace at that point in time. But things are changing so quickly. Think about the way we work now, just compared to a year ago, compared to two years ago, and yeah. all of the different things that happen throughout your day that can either engage you or disrupt you or disengage you or make you consider, is this really the right role for me? Is this really the right place for me? And if you're not giving yourself as, a, as an organization or as a leadership team, the opportunity to see those changes over time you're going to be making decisions based upon a slice of data from a point in time that might not necessarily be relevant. And what bringing those different touch points together allows you to do is see the whole landscape of that employee journey and be able to understand what are the moments that really matter and what's gonna be the best return on the action that you can take because there's so many things that you can do to try and improve the employee experience. Is it going to be, you know, giving people swag and perks and different benefits, or is it going to be some sort of an event or a training? The, the opportunities are endless, mm. but not every single action that you can take is going to get you the best return on your investment. So this allows you to, to really have the gift of focus. I like that. The gift of focus. Beautifully put. And I think a little bit later on, I would like to do, to come back to how companies can actually do that, how they can get started. But before we get there, Kevin, I wanted to ask you something else. And this is about the actual collection of the data. So mm. how do you collect data on the different experiences within the employee lifecycle without drowning employees in, in surveys? I love that question. Um, so, <laughs> nice. yeah, yeah. So uh, one thing I'll say is that, uh, you know, I was, I was working with a, a really large organization that said, you know, people don't like taking surveys. And I said, you're right. People don't like taking surveys, but they love having their feedback given and taken into account. And they love being heard. So a lot of times there's a fear against survey fatigue and it's a valid fear, but most survey fatigue is actually a lack of relevance fatigue and a lack of action fatigue. People don't think that the, the, the time that they're taking to take the survey is relevant to what happens to be happening to them at that moment. Mm -hmm. And they don't think it's really gonna do much of anything. But if you, if you look at every business trip I've ever gone on, 
I've probably in the last several years, I've probably taken like five or six surveys along the way, but I never thought about it. Right. Like I take, I take a survey in the Uber ride to the airport uh, and then, or at, at the end of the Uber ride. And then I take another survey as I'm checking into the plane and going through customs. Yeah. And then I'm listening to an audio book. And as the audio book finishes, I give my feedback on the audio book. And then I take a, a lift ride back to the hotel. And then I order DoorDash. And at the end of my DoorDash experience, I rate that experience. So a big part of it is embedding the feedback into the experience itself. So as you're onboarding, as you're using the employee intranet, um, and then also if you think about it, uh, feedback and employee listening should really be more conversational. So if, if you and I are in a relationship and I'm the only one that's ever in initiating conversation and I'm the one that's only asking questions, that's not a real conversation. Mm -hmm. So what listening posts do organizations have where people can have digital suggestion boxes of sorts, where people can at any time submit questions or suggestions or ideas, frontline employees being able to see opportunities to improve the customer experience. So uh, to answer your question more succinctly, <laughs> I think it's about embedding the, the feedback into the flow of it, the experience and making it relevant to what's happening. And most importantly, actually doing something about the feedback that people give. Yeah, totally. And I love, by the way, how you uh, how you make that comparison with, you know, going to the airport and then being on the plane, reading an e a book on your e-reader, etc. That is, it is almost, it's, it's a seamless experience as in like you don't really even uh, realize that you're giving feedback. I was also thinking actually here in Europe, at least what you see a lot is when you go on the airport, when you go to the to the restroom, they also ask you for feedback afterwards about how your experience was, but it is completely integrated in everything that you're doing. So it's not something that you, at least I personally do not experience it as something like, oh God, I need, I need to give my feedback again. So I love that example that you gave there, Kevin. And, and I think if we could create a, a similar experience uh, in the workplace, that would be awesome. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. and then, you know, the imagine the power that comes from that, the, the insights that you have, you know, how many horrible experiences are there at work that if somebody was just able to give their feedback, there, there, there'd be some sort of a mechanism to do something about it. You know, I'm, I'm working with this woman who is um, an account manager at a large tech organization and her company was acquired by another company and the sales operations team uh, was doing an integration of Salesforce. And to make a long story short, they completely screwed up the integration. Like uh, these, these frontline employees, these account managers, these customer success employees who are supposed to be spending the majority of their time helping customers be successful are spending the majority of their day fixing problems in Salesforce. Mm. But because that experiential feedback is not making its way back to company leadership, the team that did that merger on Salesforce got a huge recognition right from the very top of the company and a congratulations for how, an ama how amazing of a job they did. Because from an operational perspective, they brought the databases together, like mm. check the box, it's done. But there's a whole other experiential subjective component to what they did, where if you're not actually collecting that data from people, you're really blind to what's, what's happening in your organization. Yeah, totally. You, you, you really only see one part of, of, of what's going on, uh, which, which in this case gives you, gives you a, yeah, not, not the entire picture. Now, 
Coming back to uh, the employee journey, Kevin, how do you uh, determine which aspects within the employee journey are most crucial to, for instance, employee retention and performance? Great question. So let's start with retention. Yeah. On most surveys, on most employee listening programs, there's going to be a question, and there's a couple of different ways you can do it that measures somebody's intent to stay. Some questions are, I rarely think about looking for a job at another company. Uh, do you see yourself working at XYZ company two years from now? Or some at Qualtrics would like to directly ask people, do you tend to be here for six months, a year, five years? And then the best of all is that the actual operational data, looking at whether or not somebody resigned. And Essentially what you're doing, and I'm not going to bore you with the, the, you know, the statistics of it, but you're doing a correlational analysis of that outcome, whether that be people actually resigning or someone giving their rating on one of those intent to stay questions. And you're looking at all the other questions that you ask and you're saying, which question has the strongest relationship with that outcome? So the idea being that if you can improve those other questions, those drivers, those things that are being asked about on those other questions, then you'll be able to improve whether or not people intend to stay or whether or not people uh, remain with the company and don't turn over. Mm. And a lot of those questions go back to things like my performance uh, evaluation was fair or my, or my performance is evaluated fairly. Well, if that's the strongest driver from that survey, then maybe the other point in the employee journey that you want to measure is that performance cycle. Or let's say another thing that surfaces as a top driver is uh, I have the learning that I need to do my job really well. If that emerges as a driver, then maybe you want to put and analyze the employee touch point related to learning and development and training. Or if there's something about systems and processes. Well, then maybe you want to start to measure your IT experience to make sure that people are using the right tools and equipment and having good interactions with the IT help desk. But back to that idea of it being conversational, you want to, you want to think of it as a back and forth conversation where you, you do your baseline survey, you understand what that top signal is, and then you act on that top signal by actually following up and saying, okay, well, how do we dig even deeper into this part of the journey and be able to make those, those cross journey analytics to be able to find out where that connection point is and what we can do to improve the experience. All right. Thanks. Very, very clear. Okay. Now, before we move on to the next part, I have one, one last thing that I was wondering about. So, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have the feeling that a lot of the time when we're talking about um, employee experience, um, it is often about knowledge workers and it's about okay let's see if our uh, knowledge workers are having a great experience but there's a really big part of the workforce um, that are the deskless sorry workers or um, or blue collar workers and sometimes it feels like um, they are not necessarily always a part of this um, because the payoff between employee experience and their productivity is less tangible what are your thoughts on this that's changing. That 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 was that was true just a few years ago. Mm -mm. But I think with so many of the changes that are happening from the perspective of employee values, uh, what mm -hmm. people value in work, and we, if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that who we used to think were essential 
weren't really the people that are essential. The people that are essential are the, the people that are really at the front line of everything, making the world work. And we all discovered just how important they are. Um, and I think it's it's been a great reckoning for a lot of organizations. And when you think about the, the connection to bit real business outcomes, right? Like your experience at a retail organization or a grocer or a quick service restaurant yeah, you know the the software developers that are designing the app have a have an influence on that employee experience, no doubt about it. But the person delivering your food, the person making your food, the person that you're interacting with, that's that human to human connection that can't be replaced. And if you want to really delight customers, if you want to create a truly world class experience, that's mostly going to be done with and through people, and uh, and and getting that engagement from people at the front line is absolutely critical. And a lot of organizations are waking up to that fact. And the ones that wake up to that fact the most are going to have a huge competitive competitive advantage when it comes to winning business. Yeah, I, I, I believe that that's the case as well. And really great to hear that it's changing, uh, which is, I think, a good thing. And it probably also was about time, to be honest. Okay, so let's move on uh, a little bit. and. Um, Take a look at employee journey analytics in practice, so to speak. Now, I know that um, in your LinkedIn post, you talked about how companies can use employee journey analytics. And I believe that you mentioned uh, five steps. So maybe it could be interesting for our listeners to briefly describe these five steps and then maybe each step accompanied by an example. Yeah, that sounds great. So the first step is to actually think about what are all the projects that you have or you want to have that are are the listening touch points that are happening across the employee experience. So many organizations already have an onboarding survey or they might have post-training feedback or you might have an exit survey, you might have your employee engagement survey. So the first thing is to just get a lay of the land, take an inventory of all the different projects and listening touch points that you have. Once you've done that, you really want to identify, and this is all step one, by the way, mm-hmm, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. once, once you have that lay of the land, is you want to determine what's your, what's your North Star or what are those key performance indicators that are important to you? Obviously, yeah. employee retention is a big one these days. Yeah. Feelings of belonging and inclusion are also important ones. Engagement is a classic. But it's important to really key in on what are the, the, the outcomes that matter to you, because that is going to be the linchpin upon which every other thing is, is uh, evaluated. So what are those key outcomes? What are those key performance metrics? Align on what those are. And, and look into where you have data on that among the employee journey. Uh, and also related to that is what are the key employee segments within that? Mm-hmm. Is it your knowledge workers uh, because they're so hard to replace because there's so few of them? Or are you discovering that it's actually people that are in more uh, traditionally thought of as blue collar positions where they're, they're interacting directly with customers? What's, what's going to be the, the key place in that employee journey? The next step is to really think about hypotheses. Um, And as a scientist, uh, this is the part that is near and dear to my heart, because with all of this data, you can throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. 
You can run an analysis with every driver against every outcome, and eventually you'll find something. But whether that thing is real or interpretable or makes sense is is going to be questionable. So it's important to actually say and, and speak with your uh, stakeholders, speak with your employees and say, OK, well, what do we think is happening here, right? If, if we th- if we say belonging and and inclusion are important outcomes, what other parts of our journey do we suppose relate back to that feeling of belonging? Well, maybe it's something in the onboarding cycle. Maybe it's whether or not they they meet their manager, whether or not they meet their team. Okay, well, let's test for that. So so being really intentional about what are the hypotheses that you're going to build, and then the next step is is to really stay focused on that hypothesis or those hypotheses and figure out what are the key drivers, what are the most imp- impactful uh, places um, where that happens and, and keep it radically simple. Start with one key outcome, uh, uh, the two places or, or three places in the employee journey that you think impact that outcome. Stay focused on that outcome and say, okay, where can we have the biggest impact for what we're doing? And then the next piece is to communicate the findings. So um, uh, get that information out to people. And and right now at at Qualtrics, we're actually doing a lot of work around how do you make sure that all of that great analysis that's done lives on in a dashboard somewhere so that people can go back and reference it later. (laughs) Uh, Rather than what what tends to happen in organizations, there's, there's some sort of project, there's a deck that gets presented and then maybe some action will be taken as a result of that that presentation. But oftentimes it kind of floats off into the ether. Uh, mm-hmm. But but having it live on so that people are constantly reminded about, hey, this is something that needs to be done. Uh, and then the the last piece of that is to really start that journey all over again and to say, okay, what information did we gather and how do we want to do a deeper dive to, to revise the way that we're measuring this information? So I'll give an example <clears throat> is that um, you can you, you find that uh, feelings of belonging on your engagement survey tend to be driven by something happening in the onboarding experience. Mm. So you discover that within the onboarding experience, uh, the degree to which people uh, agree with the statement that they had a conversation with their manager during their first week has a relationship with that feeling of belonging. But maybe you go back and do a deeper dive into that. And there was one one organization, a retail organization, a grocer, actually, Mm -hmm. uh, that found that they they revised their onboarding survey to not just ask that question, have you had a meeting with your manager, but to ask about specific behaviors. Was that initial conversation with your manager over text? Was it in person? Mm -hmm. Was it over the phone? Was it over Zoom? And what we found was that when it was in person or over Zoom, those feelings of belonging were so much higher later on in that employee journey versus just having a, a con- having a conversation over text was actually the worst. It, it not only didn't it, it was it was worse than not doing anything at all. Oh, wow. Um, but, but being able to, to drill into specific behaviors. So now you have information that every manager knows by making that small adjustment in that first week, what the impact is going to be for how employees feel in terms of whether or not they belong at the organization six months, maybe years later. 
Yeah, I find this super interesting, Kevin. It, it really is a bit as if you're you're you can keep peeling off layers and mm. and and go deeper into uh, into uh, each specific. Uh, I'm gonna call it a touch point for now because of lack of a better word in my vocabulary <laughs> at the moment. But I, I hope you get what I'm saying. I really like how you can just go. Yeah, you can just go at a deeper level every single time and and then make improvements that have a, have a big impact further down the line. So yeah, I think that is super interesting. What else did I wanted to ask you about? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, the podcast is called All About HR. So it makes sense that we also touch on the role of HR in all of this. How do you see the role of HR in this, Kevin? And maybe a little bit more of a specific question. What type of skills do you believe that HR professionals involved in employee journey analytics need? I think that's a great question. And it's almost this paradox um, of being much more empathic and having great storytelling skills and interpersonal skills and persuasion skills, so-called soft skills. But I think data analytics and employee uh, people analytics, it, it not only uh, facilitates that, it requires that you get even more skilled in those areas and data savvy, the ability to interpret statistics. But it's not just the ability to interpret statistics or understand these analyses. It's how do you explain that in an empathic way to your internal customers whose job it is to take action based upon this information? And how do you simply and powerfully and emotionally explain the impact of those connections in a way that moves people. So it's it's interesting because it, 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 there is this need for data savvy and people savvy. And it's not either or. I think a, there's mm-hmm. a big misperception out there that it's either or. It's both and because the power of the both and is where the magic really happens. Um, yeah. And and yeah, it's about storytelling with data. In, in many yeah. ways. Yeah, that's beautifully put again. And this is also, it's, it's it's actually quite cool to to hear this coming from from you because here at the Academy to Innovate HR, we've also identified skills or uh, mindsets that are important for uh, for HR professionals. And, and one of them is indeed data literacy, but that's not the only one. There's also the part uh, where people are able to yeah translate uh, that to uh, internal customers. So very, very cool to hear it from somebody else as well, Kevin. Um, Now, when we talk about employee experience, traditionally creating a great employee experience can be uh, quite uh, operationally heavy or labor uh, Mm. intensive. Now, what is the role that automation plays in in EX? Is there a role for automation in your opinion? And if so, have you seen some successful examples of it? Yes, I think there is a huge role for automation especially when the, the the point of the employee experience, the touch point that you're trying to improve is operational in nature. So the onboarding experience, as an example, there's an emotional, subjective human component to that, which is the conversations that you're having with people, the enablement that you're getting. But there's also a huge operational aspect of it, you know, signing up for benefits and perks uh, getting your your direct deposit information in, getting your tools and equipment and having that deliver on time and working well. 
And with workflow automation partners like ServiceNow or integrations with different HR IS systems, you can make it so that when there's an immediate need, an operational need on the, the part of an employee, that that automatically puts a ticket into IT or puts a ticket into the HR help desk to be able to make some of those more operational things happen automatically mm. without necessarily having to get uh, a human involved or at least not having to get an HR BP or an HR strategist who would probably much rather be working on those strategic things than having to make a phone call or, or place an email to IT. Um, so I think those those partnerships with ServiceNow and 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 others, you know, ServiceNow is is really uh, famous for saying, you know, if you have to send an email or you find yourself repeatedly sending an email to to facilitate a process, that's that's when there's time for a workflow automation. And when you embed that into the employee journey analytics, you can make it so that those things just happen, mm. and you can close that loop in a really quick way. Fantastic. I think that is uh, probably uh, that's good news, I think, for uh, for a lot of people uh, who, who might be listening. And about those people who might be listening or watching, Kevin, um, let's say they are super enthusiastic about this topic of employee journey analytics and they're thinking of, okay, we really want to get started with that. We really should get started with that within our organization. How can they get started? Do you have any advice? on that. Yeah. Start somewhere. <laughs> so I think <laughs> uh, anything that you do will, will be important. So, you know, if, if, if you don't have any employee listening uh, at mm -hmm. all, I always suggest starting with a baseline survey, uh, an employee engagement survey. Um, for your first one, it, it's counterintuitive, but it might actually be longer than, than what you might do on a more ongoing basis, because at this point you're trying to understand all the things that are important and you don't want to miss anything. So it's going to be a bit of a kitchen sink exercise where you're throwing in all your educated guesses in, into that, that survey. And then I think, you know, you're going to inform the rest of your journey based on that uh, and, and really listen to what the top signals are, understand what the, what the, the main thing driving the outcomes that you want are going to be, and then take action on that. And actually, now that we're talking about it, it's a great conversation because, you know, it's a great conversation when the, the canned answer that you normally give as you're starting to explain that you're like, wait, there's another step in this that I think is important. Yeah. Um, and I think that the first thing that you want to align on is what do you want to know? What, what do you really want to know about your people that you don't already know? Or what are the things that you think you know, but getting some data around it will help either confirm what you think you know or dispel some myths mm -mm. because there's a lot of myths hanging around organizations you know one big myth is that people are leaving because of pay now there might be truth to that there might not mm. pay might be a factor is it the most important factor to what degree is it a factor right so rather than making Uh, one example is a, a hospital uh, system that, that wants to, to pay all of its nursing staff double what it's currently paying them, which, you know, as, as somebody who wants to improve people's lives at work, I'm like, yes, go for it. <laughs> yeah. And is that going to be enough, right? If you've spent all that money uh, encouraging people to stay, but they still leave, then you've spent a lot of time and resources implementing something that may not have gotten you where you want to go. 
So what are the questions that you really need to, to, to ask and answer and really tie that back into your business outcomes? And I'm very business oriented with this, not because I think business is more important than employees or the employee experience, but if you want to sustain this over the long haul, if you want leaders and managers to be able to feel like the work that goes into these programs is relevant, mm. uh, then you have to tie it back to the, the things that matter to them and to their work. So I think, it, I scratch my initial answer, <laughs> I think the first thing that you do is really sit back, take a step back and say, what do we need to know? What do we want to know? What are our, our, our hypotheses here? And then once you have that really clearly in mind, then you can start to think about where and when and how do you measure? Yeah, I again, I, I think that makes uh, complete sense. Thank you very much for that, Kevin. Now, on to, um, well, one of my favorite parts of, of each episode. And this is the part where I get to ask my guests, and today that's you, obviously, about what they believe is the biggest cliche about HR. That's the first question. So I'll throw that in there. Oh, gosh, the biggest cliche. There are so many cliches about HR. Uh, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna answer that question with an answer or with another question first. So, what are <laughs> what are the most creative answers you've heard to that to that question? Ooh, I heard some good ones to that, to be honest. Um, but a um, yeah. So one that I hadn't heard before was that HR is uh, not much more than a cost center. Ooh. And then, of course, the one that I heard a lot, which is a cliche in itself, maybe, is that HR um, people in, are in HR because they care about people. So that gives you an idea, perhaps. Yeah, I think the biggest cliche is that is that people in HR. Uh, this is this is this is a a, a, a fun one, um, and I think people in HR are guilty of this, for lack of a better term. Um, that HR is separate from the business. And sometimes people in HR even refer to other parts of the business as the business. Uh, it, and it's just an interesting use of language to mm -hmm. think of there's HR and then there's the business. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> in many organizations, your only asset is human capital, right? Like if you think about so many kind, like a, a law firm or a, a recruiting agency or a consulting firm, right? Like it's all just people. You don't you don't have heavy machinery and, and other assets except for maybe intellectual property. Like it's all just the people. So to say that human resources is this other entity, and then there's the business is yeah. is really a huge cliche and wildly inaccurate and almost laughable uh, to, to think of it that way. I think that's a great one, Kevin. And it's definitely one that I haven't heard before. So thank you very much uh, for that. And that also um, brings us to the end of our conversation. So I really want to give you a big, big thanks. Um, I've learned a lot. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the conversation as well. I, I absolutely did. This was great. Uh, anytime you want me to come back, um, I'm really looking forward to it. Fantastic. And maybe one last thing before I wrap this conversation up, where can people uh, best uh, reach out to you if they want to connect with you? Yeah, great question. Um, I, I think the best way is just through LinkedIn. Uh, follow me, connect with me. Uh, I haven't um, uh, gotten to the point where people are only able to follow, so uh, I welcome requests. Um, also looking at my personal website, aside from um, uh, 
the work that I do at Qualtrics is uh, lifted leadership. I have a very small coaching practice. I can only take on one or two clients uh, at a time. But in terms of the employee journey analytics, all of that work would be done through and with Qualtrics. And the best way to connect with that would be through LinkedIn. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Again, if you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to our channel, like this video, and hit the notification bell. Thank you so much for watching, and see you soon. Bye.